first word that comes to mind is shagging, bonk, rooting, <laughs> procreation, the ins and outs of sex. Okay. Uh, oh, bang. bang. What? Bang. It's called bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, bang. <laughs> Hello, Melody here, and welcome to another Bang Live episode. This one was recorded at Bats Theatre in Wellington as part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival. It was such a great night, but as always with the live shows, it is a bit looser, and from memory there's a little bit of swearing. We had some sound issues towards the end with one of our guests that we've fixed up as much as we can, and there was also some banging from the show above us coming through the ceiling, which you might not even hear. And the subject matter is generally on the more entertaining than informative end of things, though if you're anything like me, there will be stuff in here to learn. In this episode, a bang guest from a previous season returns to update us on her sex life. Tower mum and sex toy expert Abby Lund gives us a super quick demonstration. Morgana Watson talks about menstruation in Tao Māori prior to colonisation and also how to use your cycle to your advantage. And Nick and Lena Bates answer sex and relationship questions from our audience members. If listening to these shows or seeing them promoted on social media gives you FOMO, email me. I'm at bang at rnz.co.nz. Tell me where you are and you never know, we might manage to wrangle a show in your local hall. Now next week your regular bang schedule returns with an episode about kink and then we're finishing up this season with sex positivity which is, as I found, more complicated than it sounds. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Bang Live at Bats Theatre. So just very briefly... I want to know a little bit more about you and who you came with. So who here is with... Is anyone here with family apart from Nick and Lena? Oh, that's exciting. Cool. Um, anyone on a date? You? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you? Yeah. Nah, that was together. I mean, it counts. That's good that you're putting that energy into your... But it's not like a first date because that would probably be a bit much, I think. My husband is here, and I'm not going to point him out, but just look around for someone really handsome, and that's him. Hey, babe. Um, okay, enough nonsense. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Let's meet our first guest for the evening. Everyone, please, a big round of applause for Shelley. We've met Shelley before. We've got a bit of audio from that first interview and where we first met her, so we will play that now and then um, after that you've kind of twigged to who she is, we'll come back to her. Yeah, so I am a 29, nearly 30-year-old virgin and for a long time that was uh, faith-based. We were encouraged to remain virgins until we were married and only um, commit to having sex with that person for the rest of our lives. So for a long time that was what I was taught and believed for myself and it's only been in the last maybe five to eight years that I've sort of unpacked that and wanted to think about whether that's something I want to continue holding as important, and I, I think it's not anymore. So fast forward to now. Now it's time to start doing some of the things that she's read and heard so much about, like dating. I was on a date with somebody, and this boy asked if he could kiss me, and I hadn't kissed anybody before that, and I was like... <sighs> Uh, and I had... Uh, <laughs> Just say yes! 
I know, and <laughs> and I mean, I did end up kissing him, but not that night because I had already talked to him about <laughs> the not having sex thing, the not kissing thing, and I had really felt like I'd been very vulnerable, and I just didn't know if I right. could cope with with more. But you but did, I did eventually. But I did eventually, and I and I remember thinking after that I should have just said yes the first, like I shouldn't have had a couple of extra days that I didn't need, you know, I'd had 29 and a half, 28 and a half years, you know. But, and um, how was the kiss? Um, Awkward like every first kiss? <clears throat> yeah, probably, yep. <laughs> Thank you. That was an amazing interview. And we have actually since caught up again. You were part of the Auckland live show. You got on stage and told us basically that the that you didn't consider yourself to be a virgin anymore. Since talking to you. <laughs> you had done a lot of work before that point. I think you, you were just ready to go, ready to yeah. be let out of your cage. Um, so, and you had this really, there was this really cute moment where you talked about how you'd been nervous about penises because you'd heard, oh, like you'd gotten the impression they were kind of gross, but actually it was kind of cute to hold in the hand. Yeah. They remind me of those... Um, balloons that had water in them that you used to like put through your, put through your hands yeah um so now now we're doing the catch-up since then it's been it's been a while you've actually got a date for when you consider the the date you lost your virginity quote-unquote yep. but it's not that clear-cut so i have a couple my first two sexual experiences i guess i'm putting i'm making an average date out of those two dates and putting it in the middle because those two experiences with different people, but I consider them both to be the, the first because it's the first time's tricky, so I needed the next time. So yeah, that that day in the middle is the um, is the average day which is coming up. <laughs> so I'm I'm nearly I'm nearly celebrating my year of living sexually, in an in an outward way. Obviously, I've been living sexually <laughs> internally. Yeah. And at first, like as you heard in that interview, I was really like, go, go, go. And then, but then as time's gone on, our dynamic has changed. And now I'm like, are you sure, babe? Are you good? You've got some... I'll get... I, it's at the point now where I'll get random messages from you with just, like, sex in the back of a car. Tick. It's like, classic. <laughs> um, and you've got a couple of yep. screenshots there from... Yeah. I was like, nothing like a bit of morning anal to see out 2018. <laughs> Oh, there was another one about your mom. Did I read that oh, one? Oh, yeah, Actually, yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Um, I said, I feel so covert. I'm staying at my parents right now, and I'm currently in the lounge working on my sexual memoir. My mom just asked if I knew a good quiche recipe, and I'm here tap, tap, tapping away about the first time I had anal. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a little wrap-up um, of your year of sex, I guess. Uh, what have been – should we go, like, highs and lows or, like – Yeah, highs and lows. Definitely – I've definitely enjoyed it and don't have any regrets. And I think because I spent a lot of time, possibly too much time, I mean, who's to say, um, processing and like figuring out that I was ready to unpack some of the kind of ideologies, I guess, that I'd had for a lot of my life. So by the time I was ready to do it, I really felt like I had processed a lot of the stuff that I think I would have felt guilty about otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I'm really proud of myself that I haven't had the shame to deal with as well, at, like, as dealing with all the physical stuff. Um, and But one of my favorite things that I've discovered is that, like, sex is not only fun, but, like, sometimes it's funny. 
and it's just like it's just a bit silly and like there'll be a weird position or a noise or like a facial expression or whatever and you're just like this is just two people doing this weird thing like it doesn't because I'd, I'd seen porn and so then you see this really like highly sexualized very like everything has to be like sexy and dirty or you see like romantic movies where everything happens like at the same time and everyone looks all romantic all the time but it's neither of those things it's just like two people doing this strange thing and sometimes it's funny and that makes it kind of I didn't expect that I didn't know what it was going to be I knew it wasn't going to be either of those extremes but I didn't know what it was going to be like and I'm really glad that I've discovered that we were talking backstage a bit oh my goodness backstage I should have been recording all of those combos there's a lot more interviews to come from what's happened tonight um and you mentioned that one of the things that you're still puzzling through is blowjobs yeah, I just think nobody teaches you how to give a blowjob, and unless I unless I didn't go to the right school, um, I did go to a girls-only school to be fair, so maybe I didn't learn. But I every sexual partner I've had in the last year, I've talked to them about how blowjobs are really weird and un, like unusual to do, and I don't know what I'm doing. And each subsequent time, I still haven't really known what I'm doing. And so with each of them, I've been like is this okay? What, which I think is good for communication. But usually I'm like, is this okay? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, really know how to describe it to you, you know, to tell you how to do it. And with all of them, I've said, like, have you ever done it? Because it's actually quite difficult. <laughs> and I think, and I think you need to be able, you need to do it so that you can know what it's like being on this side. And only, only one of them has been like, yeah, I have actually tried it. And it's, you know, I'll give you, give you some credit. It's not that hard. I mean, it is that hard. Because you're, you know, you're meant to do it with your mouth, but then your teeth are in your mouth and you're not meant to use your teeth. Like, I've got a book recommendation for you because when I was in my early 20s, I stumbled upon a book, and uh, she's here, in someone's bookshelf, a family member, called, um, <laughs> called uh, Sex Tips for Straight Women from a Gay Man. And it's probably hugely outdated and not PC, but it has a great blowjob section, so... I'll get that to you. One one guy, when I said, oh, you know, I've been told you're not meant to use the teeth and, you know, you can't neglect the balls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just like talking and during sex as well. Like I found that because I just process everything. How do you talk with your mouth full? Well, <laughs> maybe that's my problem. That's probably why I'm not very good at them. But one, one, <laughs> one person I said to them, like, I've been told you're not meant to use your teeth and they weren't a Kiwi and they were like, who told you that? Some, like, weak... Kiwi guy, basically. So I was like, <laughs> so apparently, apparently, teeth are good. Not out here. No, I think it's a preference, individual preference thing. I'd say. <laughs> In terms of the journey and listening to yourself, does that sound like a whole different person? Do you, or is it not that big? You're just the same person. You know, um, no, it does. It does feel. I feel like the same person, but I feel. I feel really empowered and liberated. I think I would have, you know, there's still times where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done things as a teenager and then maybe not had the hang-ups that I had about it for so long. Mm. But then I got to choose the timeline and the way that I went about things. And I got to choose to do it at an age where I, like, wasn't self-conscious about my body. I was, like, on my period and I didn't care like I knew what I deserved I think a little bit more than if I had done things as a teenager when all my friends were so I don't know I'm 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 proud of myself 
um, and I'm glad that I don't have that guilt around it. But there's still, it's still not like everything. And because I'm doing them with people that I'm not necessarily having a long-term relationship with, you're still processing what you want from that person and whether what you're wanting from them is asking too much, mm. depending on the relationship, and whether having those connections is worth it based on how you might feel afterwards. So it's all, like you're still, it's not like it's, it's, like it's everything. And, yeah. yeah, and it's not everything, but um, it's made me feel a lot more confident in, in myself, I think. Can we finish this amazing story by you just telling us if there's anything, what's left on your list? I knew going into this year of having sex that um, that orgasms weren't necessarily the goal for every sexual experience, and I knew that, and I had friends that had talked to me about that. But I think I've put pressure on myself probably to try and have that experience with a partner that I haven't had yet. And I think the more that I've like overthought that, you know, like it's on your mind the mm. whole time. So on one hand, I'm really glad that you can still enjoy sex without having that. That's something I don't think is talked about enough. Like you're, you're told that if you don't have an orgasm, it's going to be boring for you or not as good. Whereas I feel like it still has been really enjoyable without that. Mm. But I think there's still, that must still be an emotional barrier or some sort of like mind block that I'm, you know, not Working getting through. through. Um, I'm so glad that you came to talk to me a year ago. I want you to stay there because our next guest actually might have something for you. I mean, orgasm is not the goal, as you rightly pointed out, but Abby, please join us on stage. Everyone put your hands together for Abby. Kia ora, whanau. Abby Lund. Yes. That, I was like, how do I pronounce her last name? Abby yep. Lund. Everybody, this is Abby. And... Um, we met on a panel where it was like a sex relationships advice panel and we were, there was an actual expert there and then we were adding our own whatever in. Um, and then out of nowhere, Abby just put her handbag on the table and stood up like front row centre and just started bringing out her sex toys and talking about them. And she had grabbed them just on the way out the door, yeah? Had, you like run back for one almost. Yeah, my mum was picking me up and I was like, why do I not have a bag full of dillies? So I... <laughs> Ran upstairs and gave them a quick rinse and off we went. Yeah. That's how we roll in tower, eh, babe? Yeah, so Abby's the tower mum with a handbag full of dildos. Um, but for a little bit of context, you have done work before. You used to work for Device hosting sex toy fuckaware parties, I think they yeah. heard. Sex yeah. toy parties. Yeah, I did that for five years. So um, by the end of my time with Device, I'd kind of turned it into my own little beast and a little vehicle for sort of a bit of stand-up and just, just so much fun, eh? Because as you said, there's so much humour in sex and I think we take it take it far too seriously and there's a lot of serious themes, but I think um, sex is our release and sex is our play as adults. I don't play soccer, but I fuck a lot. So, uh, um, Okay, so... so yeah. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> shall we talk about what's in your handbag? Shall we? Okay. we don't have much time, so yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, just I'll jump. Be super, let's dive in. Let's yeah. dive in. So, um, orgasming with a partner as well. A toy is a great way of um, getting you into that sort of thing and upping your chances. So let's just have a little go. <laughs> so, so when it comes to sex toys, I'm just going to do this. I think let's it's do easier. do what you need to do, yeah. Good. So you've got um, silicone. So you've got silicone, non-vibrating, okay? Dildos, butt plugs. Then you've got your vibrating toys. So then you're looking at clitoral, internal, or both, 
and anal stimulation. So if you're starting out as a sex toy virgin, I guess, um, you know, I think a really good way to buy a sex toy is to either go online or go into a store and have a look at what turns you on. Don't buy something that you look at that someone tells you that you should buy because it's going to be really good if you really can't bear the sight of it. So, you know, clearly you it's kind of like not your it's kind of like looking for a sexual partner as well. Just to, you really want to get involved. Um, but so when we're looking at something silicone, we've got a strap on here and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but this is amazing strap on that was made by device. But this is a silicone dildo, right? So as we can see, there's no vibration happening. Um, the sizes really grow. Oh, I left the big one upstairs, still stuck to my chair. Hey, William, um, do you want to go grab the big dildo? That'd be great. Give it a rinse, Will. Um, <laughs> So, so this is silicone, okay? So we're talking vaginal penetration and anal penetration with these guys. Not necessarily, but necessarily, you never know. <laughs> the cool thing about these ones is that the actual base has got suction. So you can stick it to the wall of your shower or the floor of your bath. So your flatmate's like, are you done in the shower? And you're like, no, I'm still dirty. <laughs> um, so dirty. Uh, then we go into butt plugs now. The reason, so anal play, we were talking about this before, um, really quite emotional. So I don't know how many of you will connect to that. We had a great conversation backstage. I find I've really got to be in the right state, extremely drunk. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've got to be having a good day. If I'm feeling a bit sensitive and a bit hormonal, stay away from my butt. I don't want it, right? But if I'm feeling really quite powerful and quite sort of naturally lubricated and quite, I am woman, then I'm going to be way more open to that. So listen to your body always. If you've got an arsenal there as well, then you're just like, what about that? Um, I just have drawers with numbers on them. Give me the 23. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a butt plug that has different levels, okay? So when you're just first starting out and when it comes to anal stimulation, like I could go on for hours, um, you've really got to prepare properly. So if anyone's ever put inserted anything inside you anally without preparation, which had happened to me as a teenager, um, that is enough to put you off for life. So um, if this is something that you're wanting to get into, a toy can be really great or a finger, but make sure you use a lot of lubricant. I mean, lube inside, outside, guzzle some, whatever you need to do, get that slippery, okay? But let's get into vibration. You've got your, um, you know, bondage type stuff, your handcuffs. Really interesting that people that often identify with being submissive are often quite powerful in life and vice versa. Not always, but, um, you know, it's quite interesting um, letting go of control. So if you have to have a lot of control in your life, if you're a mother of, say, three kids, like a seven-year-old and three-and-a-half-year-old twins, um, <laughs> you might find that you don't want to make any more decisions. So... <laughs> The first time your sexual partner says, get on your knees, you're like, what did you say? And they're like, get on your knees. Like, okay. <laughs> wow. That, that shift happened quickly. So, um, I mean, keep yourself open and explore. Um, glass toys are beautiful. You can cool them down or warm them up. No microwave or freezer for obvious reasons. Um, after any uh, male toys, so you've got fleshlights, you've got male masturbators as well. We'll swing it through that swing. Um, I ordered two new clitoral vibrators, um, but they didn't get here. They're still in customs in Auckland. Um, so we wondered what that was. This is there. the one that I bought, and I've been charging it upstairs because it's a USB. But for me, I'm a very clitorally stimulated woman. I'm also internally, and I'm a gusher. So that's just me in a nutshell. Um, but it's good to know. <laughs> Call me. No, it's good to know what your um, 
what you you know what you are sexually so that you can sort of embrace that and buy toys around that i.e i need waterproof everything so i can't use that anymore um but just to give you an idea of the power Apparently it can go up and down, but mine's permanently set to high. I don't have a lot of time. I'm like, I've got a three-minute window. Let's masturbate. Okay, good. Speaking of a three-minute window. Yep. This yeah. is a little pelvic floor ball, um, and that's good for keeping your pelvic floor tight. But also, if you wear it to the bar, you can dance around, and if someone looks at you funny, you can pull it out and flick it in their eye. Um, <laughs> Sex Toys 101 with oh, Abby Lange. I don't Morgana, get your butt over here. So everybody, please, again, let's welcome our next guest, Morgana Watson. Ah, uh, yeah. So you're here to talk about menstruation. Yeah, but yeah. after that, oh, my God. I'm let's sorry. just keep talking about gushing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you just introduce yourself briefly and the sure. work that you do in this area? Uh, ko Taranaki te maunga, ko Taranaki te iwi, te roe e uri anō tēnei no Taranaki. So I'm Taranaki born and bred. Um, and my day job, I am a Māori cultural consultant, but also I went deep and hard, oh yeah, hard and deep into um, researching about um, traditional Māori practices and belief systems um, regarding menstruation and how that's changed a lot since mm. um, since colonisation. And also um, the science behind it, and I found that the science and tikanga Māori married up quite nicely. Mm. So it was really cool, and I'm my own little guinea pig too. So yeah. So let's talk about a bit about this, how the science and tikanga Māori married up. Yes. Um, maybe briefly first, can you tell us what the... <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we need a lot of time, but, know, but know, a little bit about um, <laughs> attitudes to menstruation yes. in Te Ao Māori pre-colonisation. So pre-colonisation, kind of um, super, super beautiful. Just think of a utopia of... Um... <laughs> Everybody! <laughs> a lot of us aren't here, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it, it really was um, super open, it was celebrated, menstruation was celebrated, and it um, was traced right back to our origin stories, our, our myths and our legends. So um, when young girls did um, become women um, and, and menstruate, they were celebrated, um, the men were certainly part of that, the boys knew all about menstruation as well. There was a spirituality to it as well as the physicality to it. Um, so basically, when you're a young girl, you got your period, you told everybody, everyone celebrated it with you, there were certain rites and rituals that you went through, you're on light duties, and you were also given special foods to help with your iron intake and your vitamins and everything. Oh. Yeah. So super, super cool. Super, super cool. Um, and so we're, we're, um, 2019, we're re reclaiming all of that. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're teaching time. our daughters all of that. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know if you saw, um, Leonie Hayden did a video for the spin-off about menstruation and Teo Māori. And she, they, it doesn't matter. They were, right. <laughs> they were talking about, um, some women crouching and bleeding directly onto the ground because that, Fuck a papa, that yep. link of like whenua to whenua, or yep. I don't know if that is whenua, that's placenta, but you know. Yep. 
So, yeah, totally. Um, and so the first menstruation story comes from Papatuanuku, our earth mother, um, and how it begat basically from our atua or our gods or kaitiaki, our guardians, um, from them right down to the first human who was a woman in Māori dim, I don't know if you know that, but the first human created as a woman um, from the blood of Papatuanuku, Kurawaka. And so, um, you know, women are highly respected and also um, the actual blood itself is known to, um, or is believed to be our whakapapa. So when a woman bleeds, she is highly respected because with that comes the ability to create more humans, obviously. So Papa has a huge part to play in that, and Legacy has a huge part to play in menstruation in Māoridom. Oh, sounds <laughs> sounds better than what we got now. <laughs> we're getting there, we're getting there. Okay, so part of what um, your work now entails, having done this research into Te Ao Māori and also into the science of hormone levels, is kind of enabling people who menstruate to use those hormones to their advantage. Yep, so um, I'm on day 12 of my cycle. Oh, okay, yeah. I know. I think everyone can tell I'm on yeah, my way into yeah. my fertility, Is she glowing or fertility week. Yeah. Where's hubby? Make <laughs> a baby with her. Make a baby, no. No, no babies. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No babies. Um, but um, I know that I've got some increasing estrogen going on. Yes. Estrogen is on the up. So mm-hmm. what's that doing to me? Um, so your comms are really, really hot right now. So um, obviously, well, not obviously, if you don't know, day 12 is going into ovulation by day 14. She is ripe and ready to go, guys. Um, and and so your communication is up and you're super, super magnetized. Like if you believe in vibration and how the law of attraction works and all of that, um, you're highly magnetized right now. So you don't actually have to do a lot. People will be drawn to you naturally. And this happens with all of us, um, uh, you know, uh, when we are in, in an ovulatory phase. Yeah. So I'm guessing if ovulation equals magnetism, then um, <laughs> like menstruation is Bears like, like oh, repel, oh, no. like get away from me. Is that true? Um, That's not how so much. Not so much. I, I love the reason I love the phase of menstruation is because um, your hormones, uh, the hormones that are being released, uh, literally help your right and left brains to communicate at, with each other, which means you can look at the world objectively and subjectively. This means that if you need to do some really big life plans, do it while you're bleeding. <laughs> do it while you're bleeding. Like literally stop everything, cancel the meeting, get a babysitter if you need to, and um, and sit down and plan out everything because you have a real diplomacy going on in your brain. And so um, you're going to be able to plan and see things very clearly. See, now every time that I have a period-related fight with my husband, I'm going to be like, actually, I'm being very diplomatic. <laughs> I am so in my diplomacy right now. Exactly. If you'll just take a picture and step back like my right brain currently has. Um, So you can go to Morgana for more of this information. There's apps that can help you, like what I was saying before about day 12. That's an app that I've got on my phone. Definitely. So I've got to give props because this is how it all started. Um, Ngahuya Murphy uh, wrote her thesis on... um, she called it a wife bed meaning red waters, and it was the traditional. Um, it was about traditional Maori customs when it comes to menstruation. So her first, and then Elisa Viti. If you haven't heard of Elisa Viti, she is an American scientist. She's incredible, and she created the MyFlow app. So um, it gives you all the information. This is I, I'm 
basically giving you the same information. Um, so I married these two ladies together, um, and I and I was my own guinea pig, and I basically um, used the app and you, and was embodied and followed my cycle for 18 months straight. Um, now I'm at the point where I don't need the app because I'm just like, oh, okay, that's happening. I know what I've got to do now. But it gets to the point where um, if you know what phase you're in, you know what hormones are being released, and therefore you can plan accordingly. So, for instance, you're doing an event right when you're ovulating. Perfect. I know, Perfect. I know. If you've got meetings, a job, a job interview, anything that has to do with networking or talking to people while you're ovulating. Perfect. Luteal. Yeah. Luteal phase, you're detail oriented. So if you need to clean out your wardrobe, sort your shoes out, clean the entire house, get your Marie Kondo on, do it in your luteal phase. Do it in your luteal phase. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Menstruation, like I said, life planning. Go Big home, picture stuff. Close the blinds, yep. eat the chocolate, plan your life. So, yep, that's yep. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so after you've finished bleeding, you're going to go, you're quite low on your hormones, but you're going to go into your follicular phase, which everything's gearing up to kick off again. Um, but you're super, super creative. So if you paint, if you do music, if you write, this is a great time to set some time aside, five hours and just get creative. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Everybody, <laughs> one last big round of applause, please, for Morgan. Kia Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Okay, Nick and Lena, get up here. You get set up. Um, this is our father-daughter sex therapy, sex advice duo, Nick and Lena Bates. Yeah. So before the show, someone came around with a question box. I haven't even looked at it, but you have, thankfully. Um, And we are going to go through some of these questions now and and, um, answer them. But we also thought for the first time that we would, if anyone is feeling brave, open it up to those in the audience. I'm going to read one and we'll do it. And then I'm going to come back to you. And if you're feeling brave, ask a question and we will get to it. All right. How did dad and daughter start to engage in open dialogue about sex, sexuality, and relationships? So how did this whole open thing that we all wish we had or want to have in our lives start? Well, I mean, so for those who don't know, um, Lena's mum, my partner, is also a a relationship and sex therapist. So she grew up in in a household where that was our business. We tried to keep it age-appropriate. We tried not the the kids not to hear things that weren't appropriate. But it's what we do. It's what we talk about. So, and I think actually you made the point another show about, um, I mean, there's op- we, we, we've tried to be very open about everything. Yeah, yeah, well, you're open about everything, and I've taken a specific interest in this topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And you did from quite young. You were oh, quite yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were yeah. like, I want to know more about that stuff yeah. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she was yeah. asking really awkward questions at a very young age. <laughs> Probably a, like how to talk to your kids about sex workshop would be a great idea because Pete, there was so yeah. much good feedback yeah. to that first um, episode. I, th- I think a big thing is, as a, if I can speak to people who want to be parents, parents, is working on your fear and shame and things that kids can pick up on so quickly. It's so easy to be super afraid. Like we get a lot of worries about porn and the internet and social media, but all you can do is have conversations with your kids that center values and center them acting with integrity and respecting themselves and others 
And if you're having those conversations, you're doing absolutely everything you can to keep them and others safe because they'll stop talking to you mm. if, they, if they can feel fear and shame. And, mm. and, and, and it's hard to combat, but, but trust. Kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to fall out of a tree from climbing. They're going to say something dumb to a friend and then you have to hear it from their mother and on and on. And they're going to make mistakes in sex and relationships. And it's understanding that that it's just a learning process. And again, if you've had those conversations from the start, things will probably be okay. Yeah. And kids, and particularly teenagers, can't tolerate hypocrisy. So you got to practice what you preach. If they're doing something you don't like, you can be honest about that, but it's kind of like also kind of go, well, you know, I've brought you up to be autonomous, do what you think is best, but here's my opinion. You know, I'm your parent, I'm going to give you advice, but in the end, you do, right? Do what you do. Does anyone have a question they want to ask face-to-face in person? This is terrifying. We've never done this before, so if you're scared, that's fine. We have many other questions in the box. You don't have so to. so many so. questions. Okay, this is Melody in the studio after the fact, but I'm just here to tell you what's happening here because it's kind of hard to make out. So this audience member is asking Lena about what her first memories were of feeling sexual and whether she felt comfortable talking to her parents about it. Okay, well, um, thanks, Alice. Um, <laughs> um, love of my life. Um, I don't remember the first time I felt sexual. Um it was... It was very young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you probably have a better idea than me because I've always remembered feeling tingles and rubbing and wriggling and... I mean, children masturbate at any age. Um, I don't know about little girls, but little boys masturbate in the womb. So, so or can. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it'll do, but, you know, so um, it is normal and healthy for children to masturbate at any age. So, um, well, I knew sex was a thing. So, uh, specifically telling my parents that I felt sexual, that wasn't really. She was showing us before she was telling us. Okay, well, I'll just be quiet. You obviously remember. (laughs) Yeah, my parents talked to us about masturbation, everything like that. Like, I was already doing it, and they obviously knew I was doing it because I'd never not been doing it. So it was just, again, like when you're talking about things in the open already, there's less of like a big disclosure moment. And, you know, that's to do with like anything around sex is just keeping it open and, you know, not assuming things about your child, about their sexuality, about their gender, about how they like to have sex. Then you don't have to put them through this massive process of of disclosing something that's happened or what they've decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've been hearing some of the like coming out stories that aren't necessarily coming out stories because it was just more of a like natural learning process than a big moment like that. Mm. Is there you, anybody who's not Lena's flatmate who wants to ask a question? <laughs> so I've noticed recently that I really struggle with communicating what I want sexually to my partner verbally without getting massive anxiety, not due to my very supportive partner. And I was wondering if there are any tips to lessen that anxiety. Well... I think something that helps me with that is that if the tables were turned, I would want to know. 
I would want to know that there is something else I can be doing to please my partner and 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 I would appreciate them telling me and I do maybe not everyone's going to have that level of perspective of like that was hard for you to tell me thank you for trusting me mm. but if you can imagine yourself at the other end of that conversation and how you'd want it to be said to you mm. What if it's less about communicating that something's not right and more about just communicating something that's kind of occurring to you or that you're thinking, you know, a new thing? Is that different? Well, the trouble is that the, the, the more invested you are in the relationship, the harder it is to actually reveal what you want. Because if somebody who's, you know, you've only just met, met tonight doesn't like it or thinks you're weird, no great loss. But if it's somebody you've, you know, invested 10 years and you know, had a couple of kids with, hmm, that's pretty tricky if, if they don't, you know. So one of the things is, is realizing that intimacy gets harder. So talking openly, talking intimately gets harder the longer you've been with somebody. And I don't think we're prepared for that. No, I think we think that that's something that naturally gets easier yeah, over time. Should, you know, that's the myth, is yeah. that it gets easier. And so we think there's something going wrong. It's actually, no, no, that's just how, how it is. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it can be really good to have these conversations away from when you're being sexual. Yeah. Yeah. I think is another thing is sort of take the, the sort of performance pressure away from it and say, you know, if you've got a long-term partner, you, can, you know, who, you, who is good to talk with, say, hey, look, there's this thing I'm struggling with. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I feel awkward about it, but, you know, and I don't like, don't want to say it during sex because I don't know how to ask. I don't know. I'm afraid of how you'll respond. But I'm really thinking that I, you know, I'm really interested in that strap on, you know. So. <laughs> Is that an official request? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, based on something you said, I actually think this next one is fairly common. Um, I think it was in the last episode of Bang, you were talking about infidelity and you kind of made a throwaway comment about cheating with someone at work. Yep. So this question is what to do when, and this isn't cheating, this is just attraction, but what to do when you are thirsting over a workmate? Everyone's like, mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know. First thing is celebrate that you're alive. <laughs> That's good. A, lo a lot of people have feelings for 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 other people. You know, sexual attraction get turned on by, um, and um, you have to work out well who are you and what are you doing. How do you want to live? Typically, when people are asking talking about this with me anyway it's they're, they're already in a monogamous relationship and all of a sudden they're confused by the fact that they're having you know feeling you know lustful feelings or feelings of desire towards somebody who's not their partner and you know you don't have to do anything about your feelings i mean and feelings it doesn't mean your relation your other relationship is failing in no, any way yeah no. no my dad has a good saying that i told the person i'm dating right now doesn't matter where you get your appetite as long as you eat at home which, <laughs> which, if you're yeah in a monogamous relationship and that's something you've decided and what you both want, I think it's a pretty helpful phrase. Okay. Well, this one is specifically how to tell your dad you have casual sex, which they will have words on. But let's talk about, you know, maybe that kind of thing, like when you've got family members who frown upon your decisions or and how to talk to them about how actually it's a perfectly healthy and happy thing to be doing. I mean, I think we, when you're trying to talk to somebody about something that you know they're not going to be happy about, I think the first thing is to sort of acknowledge 
look, I understand your opinion, I respect you, I respect your views. I mean, not if that's not true, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, don't lie. But, but it's like, you know, but, you know, I'm coming from a different place. Right? So kind of acknowledge the validity of their position before you kind of tell them something that is really, you know, you know is going to challenge their position, I think is the first thing. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I get it, but if, if someone's telling you your sexuality isn't real or the way you're living, your like, you know, There's a line. I'm not going to come here and be like, oh, I respect no, you no, for no, no, telling no. me I'm a slut. Like, no. <laughs> um, an extreme ender is sometimes you just have to give up on those conversations yep. if it's causing too much harm if it's too tiring if it's yeah yeah and that and that is a reality and that is okay and that's hard to come to terms with but that is a really valid option if you need to take care of yourself um and then i think maybe having those conversations not alone can be helpful sometimes as well like if you're there with an auntie and a cousin who you know a bit more open, a bit more understanding of of your position, that can be helpful as well. Yeah, that's just a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and another another one is, you know, what are you afraid of, Dan? Yeah. Well, what are you afraid of? Mm. You know, because you know, there's ob- there's a lot of fear often and judgment. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, we're officially over time, so we're gonna have to wrap. To the crew who helped, house lighting and sound person, William Saunders, William Ray for not getting the dildo, Adam McCauley, <laughs> um, Maggie Tweedy and Harriet for setting up this amazing set, and every single one of our guests today. Thank you so much. Please, can we give them one last big round of applause? That's Bang Live from Bats Theatre in Wellington as part of the New Zealand Fringe Festival. We have some bonus material to release this week which will tide you over till Monday when the official episode 5 from season 3 is released, exploring the world of kink. As always, you can email me at bang at rnz.co.nz or reach out on Twitter. And if you have a moment to rate or review the podcast, please do. Till then, 